I dedicate this to the three treasures, the true Buddhism of the sowing, and pray that the beneficence, power, and influence ever more widely prevail. Nam yo ho ringu kyo, nam yo ho ringu kyo, nam yo ringu kyo. Welcome back, friends, to another edition of Soka Gakkai, Becoming Nutrient Shosha Member. I'm your host, Zanzan, Alexander, or EJ. And I am going to tell you a little bit more about my personal experience with Soka Gakkai and Nutrient Shosha. So most of you know I was a Soka Gakkai member for 10 years or so. I was born into NSA, didn't know anything about the practice until age of 20 after my mother had passed away when I was 15. And I had already searched through a lot of shamanism, magic, occult books, and Native American spirituality. So coming to the Sokogakai, my, my first chanting meeting and things were explained in the last episode, the idea of uh, right after that first meeting of, of seeing the counterfeit object scroll and chanting in a room of people, right away I was uh, kind of... Uh, like followed or approached or groomed or how do you, you be the judge, someone was almost assigned to me and they called me all the time and came over to chant with me all the time and then they would call me and invite me to the myriad of SGI meetings and I would go, I had nothing better to do. I figured this was my, this was my chance to participate in something new and I mean I, I had a very low life condition. So I was looking for friends, too. I was trying to not go out to the bars so much. So it, was, it worked out for me. I was busy all the time with Sokogakai activities. And so that became what I considered a healthier life state than what I was. I mean, just what I began to believe. And the chanting, I, didn't quite, I did not quite understand it. I still don't, right? And so I chanted, and I felt certain ways, and unexplainable things happened. Uh, I was visited by aliens. I've, <laughs> I'm not the only one. <laughs> um, my deceased mother came and visited me as a small child at an arcade I worked at. I was just all, all, very interesting things. Some of these can be explained <laughs> uh, through the reality of life that is true Buddhism. If you read the Gosho, things about your parents coming back and things. But the Daimoku is not the same depending on how you believe in it. It's very interesting. So, you know, if you believe in it, chanting to connect with Daisaku Ikeda, it's going to be very, very different than if you chant to the Daigo Honzon of the essential teaching uh, hidden in the depths of the lifespan chapter of the Lotus Sutra in rhythm with the Nichiren Shoshu priesthood. I used to think being a part of the Sokogakai was a way to join a big coven, a big group of magic users or energy wielders to make things happen and to influence the planet for a good cause. That's what I thought. And I, th I thought, well, look at all this stuff that they're doing. They're doing all this stuff with peace and things. Although Nietzsche and Shoshu really talks about um, transforming the land through propagation of the Daimoku, and, and not so much a propagation of peaceful philosophies. I mean, Buddhism is a peaceful philosophy, however, in the secular realm, to be so entrenched in, say, politics, like the Sokogakai is in, in Japan, or even um, non-government organizations, NGOs, like the Sokogakai is in America, and to charge the youth to do all these things that have nothing to do with Gongyo or Shodai, and or the Gohonzon, 
And because what happens is people, people don't start practicing because they see these people, because they uh, are interacting with Sokugakai members. They, they're, kind of <laughs> they're kind of winding down on their starbursts of people joining the Gakai because they've removed so much of what Nichiren Daishonin gave us from their practice and inserted Daisaku Ikeda and SGI in there. So back to the story. So my friend, Mr. Sutton, he would come over and chant with me all the time, all the time. He would teach me these ways. Now, he was from the Nichiren Shoshu days, too. So he, he would often say things like, oh, they, people won't like that I tell you this. And then he'd say something about the practice. And so it's interesting because the Sokogakai members of old, they would, they would utilize still tools given to them by the priesthood <laughs> and then just try to ram them into a new hole, you know, like try to just shove a square into a circle hole and just keep trying and keep trying. Some of them would end up shaving off the corners and uh, think it was the right way. <laughs> so, so he would come over all the time and chant with me. And I, I noticed right away though, he had, a, he had a kind of a short fuse. You know, he, he knew this and that. And he would always get up really late, like 2 p.m. and never really overcoming the things that he was chanting for. It's very interesting. I just thought, okay, well, let's chant more than him. And so I started to chant a lot. I said, well, instead of doing the full moon and new moon circle, prayer, Wiccan prayer rituals that I was doing, or the Sumerian demon god stuff <laughs> that I was doing, um, how about, and the Kabbalah stuff that I was doing, how about, and all the other stuff, how about I substitute it with this nam myoho Let's try this out. So then I would substitute it, and I would spend hours chanting about two to four or, so, or six, at a time. And like I said, unexplainable things happened. And all I felt was just this constant uh, kind of mania or lift that I didn't have before, although it would fade quickly. And so that's why I felt I needed to chant a lot more. And then I, so I stopped going out as much at night and wake up earlier and chant. And I thought, oh, look, my, my life is balancing. Okay, great. And then the more I went to the meetings and told people that I chanted all that much just to see what would happen if I told them that, I would get the weirdest reactions. I would get, what are you trying to cover up? Or I would get, you're, you're making us look bad. Or I, I would get, no one just chants two hours. <laughs> I would get a lot of these responses and I was very confused because of how good it felt to chant abundantly. And uh, well, I just felt maybe my mission is to speed everybody up, <laughs> to get everybody chanting more. <laughs> I'm sure this podcast is doing just that. <laughs> <laughs> Getting everybody in the guy chanting more. <laughs> oh, that'd be funny. Anyway, <laughs> so kind of taking this as my personal charge, I tried to go to as many of these meetings as I could and sit as close to the scroll that everyone was chanting to as I could, raise my hand as many times as I could, and spread the voice that I have as much as I could. And I wound up right away finding a lot of mis- uh, like incongruent things with the writings that they hold in their hands and what they do and speak and, and all these things, how the organization runs, and even how Daisaku Ikeda uh, says that it should be ran and how different that is, say, in the Seattle Sokogakai, where I am from and live today. Not on the Gakai, of course, but in Seattle. And what was interesting is the more I'd ask questions about these things, and older members from the Nichiren Shoshu days would let me read their older books uh, that were still connected to the priesthood. 
And I would read these books and I would get this feeling. I didn't know what it was. I was like, these books rock, man. These books are awesome. And I wouldn't get the same feeling from the silver graphite material, especially as the years progressed and they whittled down everything Nietzsche and Shoshu that they took uh, almost out of it. Uh, and so I would ask questions in group settings because I, you know, I just figured the Buddha and all these people asking them questions. I thought, okay, they would have Soka Gakkai leaders in the front of the auditorium or something. And the Soka Gakkai leader would, or somebody else would lead the recitation of the sutra that the Soka Gakkai does, which is much shorter and, and doesn't have the same lasting effect, of course. And, uh, <coughs> well, I mean, just think if you don't believe me. Bluer than an indigo, what does that mean? Do Gongyo once or, or eight times? Gakkai members. Huh? 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 Okay. <laughs> okay. So, then the person up front would, would attempt to answer my question, but it would just, it would not be an answer. It would be a diversion, or then they would stop. Then after a while, they stopped picking me to, to, to um, ask questions. I noticed it's very interesting. And my mother was a part of Jehovah Witness, and so I realized uh, this kind of feels similar to what she was saying about how everyone just kind of turns away. Some older members would approach me and be like, you read a lot, don't you? Oh, you chant a lot, don't you? Oh, okay. But then nothing else would come out of their mouths. It would just be, <clears throat> be like, oh, you need to come over to my house and chant. Come over to my house and chant. Okay. Older members. And then, like, say, one, one, one older member, Mr. Kelly, I love this guy. He is so abused by the Soka God guy. Uh, just his lifestyle and the color of his skin and, and just where he's from and how he practices. He... he, he uh, kind of took me under his wing when I needed a place to live. This happens often for Sokogakai youth, actually, um, where, where an older Sokogakai member uh, takes care of them because their fortune is destroyed by chanting to the counterfeit object. Anyway, um, but Mr. Kelly and I would talk about how we don't hate the priesthood. We don't even, I don't even know the priesthood. And he would tell me his stories and he even tried to get me to do old, the original gongyo, and I was like, no, no, I want to stay in rhythm with the gakai. I mean, it's interesting. Um, and then to, to, to this day now that I've changed over, he, he really will not, like something triggers in him, and he's like, no, that's just like Christianity or something. He's very interesting, the demons in the gakai. But uh, so these, you know, you'd, you'd have these connections in the soka gakai that you'd think were genuine and deep and real, and lasting and and people eventually uh, became cold and despotic, very cliquish and unless you were here or there or unless you knew this person or that person like there was generations of SGI youth division that began to well that would at first were so surprised that I chanted so much and were so happy to see me at all the meetings and all those things and then something happened when I started asking about the Dai Gohan zone um, which was at this time still in our prayer book, people stopped uh, responding to my calls. People stopped, you know, it's very interesting. And, and I felt I was, what I was doing was trying to follow the instructions given by Daisaku Ikeda in all of the literature that I had read. I just, I nonstop read. I just tried to nonstop read because they had this magazine and this newspaper and all these books. And so I figured in between my subscriptions, when they arrived, I would read a book and I always had the misfortune of having to bus like two hours one way to work or something. And so I had lots of time to read these books. And I felt if I stayed in this energy system of the Soka Gakkai and entrenched myself in it, that my life would be on an upward trajectory. And it would go up and then it would go terribly down. And the downs are always lower than the ups. And this, this, is, this is a very important and subtle 
understanding uh, that takes time to even experience. Uh, so it's terrifying. <laughs> it's terrifying because once you experience it happening, you're like, oh no, I have to change so much, do so many things to fix all this. <sighs> okay, back to the story. So I go to these meetings before everyone ostracized me and, and put me out. I, uh, Few, few years went by, I chanted 2 million Daimoku in two years. I wanted to figure out what this was all about. I had received the counterfeit scroll, went through interesting experiences, and then um, would chant for things for people and chant for things. And they would happen if you went to enough of the meetings and if you talked to the leaders. Like there's this, there's this um, filtering of energy or this, uh, how, how do you say, um, this cultivation, like, you know, it's an ancient Egyptian technique, actually. It's probably older than that. The idea of uh, a closed energy system, you know, religions sometimes do it to keep their, their manifest effect strong. Um, <clears throat> they, they kind of uh, filter and make, they don't add too much and some things aren't allowed. You know, this refines, that's what it is. It refines the subtle energy to be manipulated better. Now, and utilized better. And so what's interesting about uh, Nichiren Daishonin's true Buddhism is that uh, you chant the Daimoku with the Hokeko in front of a Kohonsan. The whole realm turns into tranquil light. And the treasure realm and the trees abound in flowers and fruit. Your body knows peace. It's almost like all this stuff happens. Maybe you don't see it that you, that you read in the 16th chapter of the Lotus Sutra. Like all these manifestations of flowers raining down from heaven and things. Heavenly music and heavenly smells that make you satisfied just by smelling them. You know, all these wonderful things. Uh, you, it's almost like you feel them without seeing them. And then you see them if you want to. I, that's my experience with chanting the true law. Whereas with the Daimoku of the Sokagakai, you have a lot of wishes, a lot of hopes. Almost like you're running a lot of bets and you got a lot of anxiety. You're hoping it's going to happen. You're really hoping. You're just you're focusing on all these things. And, and so I somehow, with my occult knowledge, which is nothing of, to speak of at all, it, uh, was able to utilize that scroll in the meetings and everything in the books and the whatever they call guidance and manifest whatever I wanted. I, I, figured, I was like, okay, this isn't magic. Let's figure out how to do this. And it worked similarly to, to magic. I said, okay. So they decided to ask me to be a leader in the Sokogakai very quickly, actually, I thought. And they just kind of put me in this position and said, you're responsible to chant for this neighborhood. And, and then every time they did that, they did that a few times. I ended up having to move. And then one year I had to move like 14 times. That was the year they first made me a chapter leader. <laughs> I moved to Hawaii. And then they made me a district leader there. And then I moved back to Seattle. And then they made me a leader again. And then I moved again. <laughs> so, so, yeah, the Daigo Honzo did not want me to be a Tokugaka leader for too long. I'm grateful for that. And I always wondered why. I said, what is going on here? But uh, <clears throat> I then, uh, someone I used to talk to at the arcade, Mr. Skirtu, he would come and visit me at the arcade and just talk about Buddhism, talk about whatever. He was, not, he was just a person who would wander the streets and... and uh, I got him to chant with me at my house in front of the scroll, and he liked kung fu, and so we'd do qigong. And he, 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 was, he wasn't really too sure about everything, the gakai or the scroll. He was like, I don't know about all this. Why can't I make one myself? He's like, why can't? He's like, what? You, you're not supposed to burn it? What? Why can't I burn it? That's crazy. I don't like that. And, and I just didn't understand enough at all. I just said, yeah, just what you don't do. 
And so I wound up helping him get the SGI scroll. He was the first person I ever helped get the SGI scroll. And they give you this kind of recipe to help people get it. And one of them was to, to pay for like 20 or 25 bucks and also subscribe to the literature. So it comes out to like 50 or so. And then you got to have, uh, have a butsudan, an altar. And so that's about 30. So it's about $80 to really set up Sokogakai. I mean, I'm calculating it almost exactly because of how often I did this to people. And I didn't like how money was involved, and so I paid for his scroll. I put the money in the application, and I remember giving it to uh, a Mr. Steiner. And then, <clears throat> shortly after we enshrined this SGI scroll in his home, his new apartment, mind you, uh, he then was his house was then flooded with vagrants. I don't know if it was his friends or what, but they were all staying there. And then I found out that he eventually burned the thing. And then I was like, why did you do that? He's like, yeah, because they said I couldn't. I mean, I was <laughs> and, so, and so then uh, an SGI leader had me meet with him and Mr. Skirtu. And he told Mr. Skirtu something bad was going to happen. And Mr. Skirtu was very upset about that, obviously. And, uh, and then, what is it? He said after he burned it, like seven hours later, he was evicted from his home. And, and the next time someone saw him that I knew, they said he was kind of wandering the streets of Seattle looking very, very terrible, just maybe even out of his mind. Now, this story is actually designed, and that, was, that was the first person I helped get that scroll. <clears throat> and I was told it's because I paid for it, that he wasn't connected to it or something like that, I don't know. But this, the real story is, it is, it is an evil, uh, it, is a, it is an evil influence and the demons are strong. So. If you do happen to want to get rid of yours, just give it back. Don't, uh, don't do anything to it. That's what I've learned. That's the, kind of the moral. I don't know what it is, really. And uh, the Nitro Chosha priesthood will have a great answer for you if you want to ask them. You should call a temple. Um, but yeah, that's, that's, that's the end of this story. Thank you again for joining me. Nam yo ho renge yo, nam yo ho renge yo, nam yo ho renge yo. And for those of you wanting the numbers of the Nietzsche and Shoshu temples here in America, and soon I'll have the numbers for other ones, I'm just going to put this at the end of every episode. Um, Los Angeles area, Myohoji Temple, phone number 323-565-2888. Uh, New York area, Myosetsuji Temple, phone number 718-961-7269. Hawaii, Hon. Hawaii Honsaiji Temple, I believe, 808-235-8486. San Francisco area, Myoshinji Temple, that's the temple I belong to, woohoo! Uh, 510-222-8372. Washington, D.C. area, Washington, Washington D.C. area, Myosenji Temple, 301-593-9397. Vancouver area, Myoshoji Temple, 604-580-3993. And if you're in Brazil, the phone number there for the temple is 115581-8215. Thank you. And please call them with your questions. They have wonderful answers. Email them. Um, seek the law.